When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Mile Lake podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Anderson. How's everyone doing this week? Good. Good. Doing good. Baseball is slowly creeping closer. Mm-hmm. Well, as we record, the Super Bowl is a couple of hours from starting, so by this time tomorrow... When this show goes up and posted, I hope we're all celebrating uh, a Kansas City win. Because A, obviously, screw the Eagles. But B, also, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, if if you didn't know, is the son of former Mets reliever Pat Mahomes. I I think that the, um, what would be, the, the, the circle graph of people who are, you know, fans of football and, and Mets and everything, I, I feel like there's a lot of overlap, and I feel like most people know that, so I'm guessing. I would assume anyone listening to this podcast is aware of that, certainly. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't actually know this until I looked. He's also the godson of another former Mets reliever, which I wasn't actually aware of. Latroy Hawkins. Oh. Who is not as good as I... Thought he was. Uh, oh, excuse me. He was. He was not out with the Mets as long as I thought he was. It's just the one year, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was for like two or three. He taught them all that one pitch grip, and I can't remember what it was exactly. And right, right, right. He turned Bobby Farnell into a thing, and then uh, blew out his elbow. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. Well, anyway, because of Pat Mahomes and. Super Bowl and screw the Eagles and whatever. What uh, Mets minor league players who are also football players are we going to promote, extend, or trade? So we'll go in order, I guess. Uh, first is DJ Dozier, who played for the Vikings and the Lions from 1987 until 1991. And then he also played in the Mets minor league system from 1990 until 1992. Then we have Bradley Marquez who played with the Rams and the Lions from 2015 until 2018. And he was also in the Mets system from 2012 and 2013, and then again in 2019. 
And then finally, we have Tim Tebow, who played for the Broncos and the Jets from 2010 to 2012, and then with the Mets from 2016 to 2019. Man, we were so close to getting Tebow in the majors. Yeah. No, it's sad. Is it sad that we didn't settle the... I feel like it would have been funny. Yeah. So, and that, because they were so bad at the time, so who cares if it was happy or sad? It just would have been kind of comical. Did he have, like, a torn hamstring or something like that? I don't remember. I thought exactly. it was his thumb. He cut his hand. Yeah, he... Oh, okay. I don't... Was that the other he cut his hand? He had two, like, season-ending injuries back-to-back. One of them was, like, he... I think that the last one was, like, he cut his thumb and his hand, like, a kind of, like, a deep gash that he couldn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. But I have no was... memory of that. Yeah. That was also coming at the end of a season in Syracuse where he was, like, really bad, though. Yeah, he was he was pretty cooked. He was shockingly fine at, like, double A for a while, which is yeah. more than I would have ever expected from him. <laughs> Arguably, he would have been, like, the fourth or fifth outfielder on the depth chart. Like, legit. Which is uh, concerning. Yeah. He was better than he had any right to be, and he also was bad. <laughs> He was That's, a better baseball player than Michael Jordan was. That so is true. Got that going for him. Also, I didn't realize until I was looking. He was actually played with the Mets professionally longer than he played football professionally, which is That's very funny. No way. That's yeah. that can't be right. He no. was only rostered on the Broncos and the Jets for like three years. Every other team that he was with, the Patriots, um, I don't know who else. I know he's with Jacksonville like last year. It was only for like practice or whatever. I I don't really watch football, so he, I didn't he really got get it. But training camp for the Patriots. Right, right. So I guess that's the, ext- the the equivalent of like a spring training invite, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And the same thing happened in Jacksonville. They signed him as like a tight end, and they just because they had him. no tight ends. And they they he never really had a chance. I don't think. Also, that was under what's his name. Uh, Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer. who was like quite possibly the worst NFL coach in the last de- two decades ever. I mean, it could be ever. It could be ever. He was yes. real bad. So, I mean, the odd man, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, we all know who Tim Tebow is. And I'm also assuming that most of you guys have memory of Bradley Marquez. At least in the name, if not the stats, because he didn't really play for too, too long. I don't have a great memory of him, honestly, but sure. And you know the name, I'm assuming. Uh, do I? I don't know. It's like vaguely. Fa- I'll say yes. Let's right. Just it's, say it, yes. It's, it's vaguely familiar. But DJ Dozier is the odd man out. Because obviously. At all. Right. He played, you know, he, he was in the, 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 the. He played football in the 80s. And the 90s, and then he was in the Met system, you know, uh, in the early 90s. Look at his baseball reference stats, though. This is the crazy thing. He was like kind of Deion Sanders light. He was a legit top prospect in baseball. He was mm-hmm. a football player. I mean, his first year in the system, which was 1990, and at that point he was playing football and baseball. You know, he was playing both at the same time. But 24 in Triple A and high, I mean, excuse me, in Double A and High A, first you know uh, professional season, he hit 303, 386, 496. Pretty good. With 15 home runs, 36 stolen bases in 122 games. Like an actual player. Yeah, like whoa. That'll play. That yeah. He was it's, a legit a shame. it's a shame that the sports are harder now and that two sport athletes really aren't a thing because it was certainly entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever see another two sport athlete again? No. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I think all, like it's not just that it's so much harder to do, which it is. Um, I think the financial incentives have changed such that a, as a player, what's your motivation to do it in the first place? Because you're making more than enough in one sport anyway. 
And also, teams are never going to want to let their guys do this, right? Just the insurance yeah. rates are going to be yeah, that is true. Insane. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember in 2012, like the Mets wouldn't even didn't even want Dickie to go fucking mountain climbing. Well, he did want to climb Kilimanjaro, so I mean that that's a little bit more than your average mountain climb, but right. But point is, they were bitching and moaning about you know clauses in his contract and whatnot. And I can't imagine, I guess, yeah, a team signing off on letting another player play another high contact sport. Yeah, there's no way. Like if 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 uh, Kyler Murray was like a legit prospect for the A's, there's no way that they, w- they would pay him a notable arbitration sum, like to and then let him go play football again. No, no way. Unfortunate. Anyway, promote Tebow just for the hilarity of it. Oh yeah, no extend. Got to extend Tebow just because. Or sure, 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 sure. Got to get those clicks. She's still doing whatever, like broadcasting, I assume. I think he's on the SEC network. <laughs> uh, Making lots of money. Uh, anyway, uh, before we move on, though, another weird thing about this guy, DJ Dozier. So he was traded in 1992 to the Padres. And one of the guys that he was traded with in 1992 is Raul Casanova. Remember him? No. He played with the Mets in like the late 2000s again. He was one of the many random catchers that they had along with Robinson Cancel and Omir Santos and... I remember Sandy Omir Alomar. Santos and Cancel. Cancel because he yeah. could steal bases, and Santos because he had that one big homer in Boston that one time. <laughs> That's all he needed, Omar Santos. Yeah, absolutely. Santos. But yeah, that is, I guess, uh, DJ Dozier's other Mets connection, is that he was traded with a catcher who then would later play with them again. And then, of course, Raul Casanova was one of many, many, many people in the late 2000s that ended his career with the Mets because he was washed up and done. That's a bit of a historical island of misfit toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legendary Mad Jeff Conine. I don't remember that at all. No? Oh, that was good. some good times. That was before my time in terms of fandom. I'll have to look. Uh, I know somebody on the site at that point in time in the late 2000s wrote up an article about basically all these washed up players who were notable on other teams that then like basically ended their careers with the Mets. And it was a pretty long list with some pretty good. I mean, you know, Gary Sheffield, I, I don't think that he was really washed at that point, but. No, he was okay for the Mets. Yeah, he was, he was good enough. Old. Yeah. <clears throat> Ariston. Well, no, he was traded. He didn't. Uh, I need to look that up. It was, it's 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 a comical read. Well, anyway, moving on now. Um, well, we we finally finished our 2023 top prospect list. Uh, and there was much rejoicing. Yes, there yeah. was much rejoicing. Um, so just going over it quickly, number 25 is third baseman William Lugo. 24 was center fielder Simon Juan. 23 was right-handed pitcher reliever Eric Orsi. 22 was center fielder Willie Fanias. Number 21 was right-handed pitcher Junior Santos. Number 20, shortstop Jesus Baez. Number 19, right-handed reliever Bryce Montes de Oca. Number 18, right-handed pitcher Lionel Ovias. Number 17, right-handed pitcher Jose Budo. Number 16, right-handed pitcher Matthew Allen. Number 15, right-handed pitcher Joel Diaz. Number 14, third baseman Jacob Raymer. Number 13, outfielder Stanley Consuegra. Number 12, right-handed pitcher Mike Vassell. 
Number 11, right-handed pitcher Calvin Ziegler. Number 10, right-handed pitcher Dominic Hamill. Number 9, shortstop Ronnie Mauricio. Number 8, third baseman Mark Vientos. Number 7, center fielder Alex Ramirez. Number 6, right-handed pitcher Blake Tidwell. Number 5, shortstop Jet Williams. Number 4, Kevin Prada, catcher. Number 3, third baseman Brett Beatty. Number two, right-handed pitcher, Cody Senga. And number one, catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Um, so, so far, only Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus have published their 2023 Mets prospect lists. And Grass um, will get theirs out in, like, uh, I don't know. August. <laughs> <laughs> how do they do I don't understand how they do that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel sometimes like we do it in January, you know, January 1st, I always feel like a good, you know, good time to start it. And even that, sometimes I feel like it's like late. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. MLB will do it whenever and Fangrass will do it eventually. Um, Those guys still have their 2022 lists up and uh, MLB.com, you know, they uh, uh, they update it throughout the year depending on moves and trades and whatnot, but they haven't officially put anything up for 2023 fan Who knows when, when they'll get around to it. So we're just going to kind of ignore them and just look at baseball America and baseball prospectus right now. Uh, the most notable thing obviously is that those other two sources did not include Kodai Senga. Um, we did. I mean, he is technically a rookie, so he is a prospect. Um, other than that, if, if you don't include, um, Senga and you just kind of bump everybody up on our list, the first couple of names are all matches. Everybody says Francisco Alvarez is the number one prospect, kind of obvious, you know, duh. Um, number two is unanimous Brett Beatty. Number three is unanimous Kevin Prado. Number four is when it starts to get some variation, um, Prado baseball. wasn't unanimous. For all three of our Baseball America. BC oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant yeah. among us. I'm no, no, no. Just sorry. ignore me and my dumbass. Uh, number four was two out of three. Us and Baseball Prospectus had Jet Williams. And Baseball America had Alex Ramirez. Number five, um, not unanimous. Baseball America had number five, Jet Williams. BP had Alex Ramirez, and we had Blake Tidwell. Number six for BA was Mark Vientos. Number six for BP is Blake Tidwell. Number six for us was Alex Ramirez. Number seven for BA was Ronnie Mauricio. Number seven for BP was Ronnie Mauricio. Number seven for us was Mark Vientos. For number eight with BA was Blake Tidwell. Number eight for BP was Mark Vientos. Number eight for us was Ronnie Mauricio. Number nine for BA was Calvin Ziegler. Number nine for BP was Dominic Hamill. Number nine for us was Dominic Hamill. And number 10 for BP was Matthew Allen. Excuse me, number 10 for BA was Matthew Allen. Number 10 for BP was Calvin Ziegler. Number 10 for us was Calvin Ziegler. Um, So really, there's not that many odd takes with any you know pretty much everybody's in agreement a couple of names are are up one or two names you know ranks on on the individual lists but real realistically it doesn't mean much you know your one two three are obviously all set you know you could make an argument that anyone between like four and ten could be shuffled around wherever you wanted and really wouldn't make that much of a difference. Yeah, this is kind of the the Mets system is this. You know, the first three guys, you know, Beatty, Alvarez, Beatty, and Parada are not going to say can't miss, but they are heads and shoulders better than the other guys for different reasons. And then after them, you have a bunch of guys that are all very solid prospects to one degree or another but you know it's just kind of preference you know which which way you order them the only odd take though is 
Baseball America having Matthew Allen at number 10. And it was a weird decision, I think, even before the new news came out, you know, last week or, or two weeks ago, whatever it was at this point, that Allen had, you know, basically Tommy John surgery again. Ranking yeah. Allen 10, you know, and all the yeah. all the history, all the everything there, that's just kind of a, that's a hot take. That would be having a lot of faith in Allen and him being back. And obviously that did not come to pass, unfortunately. I wonder if because their list only goes to 10, they kind of just put an interesting dude. It's almost like they treat it like 25 and they release their top 30s later in the year. But yeah, otherwise, if it's not that sort of novelty inclusion, it's quite odd. That's a that's a possibility. Also, um, you know, they are uh, a national outlet, so I don't want to say that they might be using older, you know, uh, information or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. they certainly have less um, eyes, more recent eyes on the on everything. Whereas Baseball America, you know, that is the same thing. You know, they are national outlet. They are grading all prospects from all 30 teams. But, you know, two of their head prospect writers are also Mets fans. So there's more uh, new information and, and such about, you know, the Mets players. So I would have more faith in their you know, reporting about Mets than I do in Baseball America. I also think a lot of, with the Allen stuff, it's, um, he was such a good prospect that everyone's like, yeah, he's still young and he's a great, but it doesn't matter. He's missed so much time and it's been so bad for him that I don't think you could really rank him. Like next year, I'm probably not ranking him in the top 25 at all. Unless they the universe which is possible but i don't think it's likely the way that the team is set up and the way that the mets seem to be talking about all this <laughs> i'm just picturing what if this whole thing is just a misdirect by the uh steve cohen mets and you know <laughs> starting starting uh, opening day i guess on the cyclones just out of nowhere matthew allen comes out of the clubhouse i could just hear you know jim ross by god that's matthew allen <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, unless they unless they trade for Otani and they have to trade half their prospects, I don't see a way that I'm ranking Allen. Yeah, it's. I mean, if especially if some of the positive things we've said about this system come to pass, and and some of the guys we like take the steps forward, we'd like them to see. I think at that point you're like wait, for someone. We didn't have Jordani Ventura in our top 30 this year. Yeah, and I did not see a reason to, like, I, it, it's easier to leave him off. I mean, yep. like, it's just that's what it is. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, well, some of us <clears throat> did have John and Danny Ventura. On our individual list, I believe. Yes, two of you, two people did. I think uh, I did. Yeah, you, Steve, you had him at 29. Ken had him at 28. I don't think he was on Thomas' lists unless I missed him. I will check again. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, he was 
19th on Thomas's list, so actually the highest of anybody. <laughs> yeah, but, like, there's an easy reason to keep him off. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's just kind of flavor of the week for you at this point. You being the royal you. Mm-hmm. Whoever mm-hmm. decides to make the list. You could put him at 19, you could put him at 35, and I would understand both arguments. As long as you're not putting him in the 10, top 10, or 15, or whatever. Right, right, right. Well, Dr. Lucas, our resident mathematician here, has has run some numbers. Yeah, I did. I looked at the numbers a little bit here uh, just to see, like, we were talking about who the most controversial prospects would be or maybe polarizing prospects would be. And uh, despite our arguments about Ronnie Mauricio, it's not actually Ronnie Mauricio because we all ranked him within that 8 to 11 range. Uh, so nothing, nothing uh, that interesting there. Um, by the numbers, the guy with the biggest spread for us was Jacob Reimer. Uh, Steve had him at 25. Ken and myself had him at 10, and Thomas had him at 13. So some uh, a, a bit of a split there. Uh, and I guess Steve is the outlier in this one. Was there a particular reason you were lower on him? Uh, similar to like what we were talking about last week regarding Jet Williams is mm. I feel that you know just the, there is definitely talent there mm-hmm. in terms of Framer. Mm-hmm. Just um, want to see more of it in a professional setting before I'm willing to you know to uh, rank him higher. I think that's fair. Um, Fittingly, the second the guy with the biggest second biggest controversy here is uh, Jet Williams, um, followed by Jose Buto, who I put at thirty because I'm just like done talking about Jose Buto, <laughs> and that really <laughs> nuked his rating. Um, Allen, because none of us really knew where to put him, so there's a bit of a spread, and then you're getting into things that are uh, not really that much more varied than anything else. Like Calvin Ziegler had a bit of a spread. Santa Consuegra had a bit of a spread. Um, Junior Santos, we all had in the 20s, but all of that, except for Thomas, who had him in 18, but that's all basically the same. So it was really those two guys at the top where I think Steve's philosophy when it comes to professional track record leads to a a bigger spread, at least among our ratings, which makes sense. And also with this, I mean, it, this is always the case every year. You know, no, un- unless you're like the Tampa Bay or the Dodgers, or literally like every single one of your prospects are really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the Mets system, once you get to when, once you get to about 16, I would say this year, you know, 15 or 16, it kind of becomes just you're just throwing shit at the wall, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. I mean, if I ranked, you know, who did I rank? I ranked Joel Diaz 16. Mm-hmm. It, that's not really if I ranked him 21, it literally would not make that much of a difference. You know, the you're just kind of at that point, we're just kind of going with names and mm-hmm. this upside and whatnot. And the exact, you know, order is. Very fungible, non fungible. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well that's, the, that's the whole like discussion around um, <clears throat> lists in general, mm-hmm. like doing it in. A, num- a numerical order like for the Mets in this in their situation there's very clearly a one and if I'm gonna not include Senga in this there's very clearly a one and two in Alvarez and Beatty <clears throat> yep and you could argue there's like clears threes and stuff like that but after that it's like those are the elite guys and then three is a step down right now and Parada could get to the elite but he hasn't played much you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like, that's that's the weird part about doing it numerical is there's not really a difference between seven and nine, but there is because seven is higher than nine. But what does it matter? You know what I mean? Like, like that's that's just the way list the the prospect game is talked about, and that's what we do. That's what every single site does. If you want to do tiers, that would make more sense, but also that's probably I think Jarrett had a good. Jarrett Seidler had a good um, thread about this where, like, people don't want to read uh, uh, group tiers. They want to read lists in order. So that's what we do, and that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. 
I did also, if you're interested in some other in, uh, f- things I picked up on when putting these numbers together, uh, I found the guys that only appeared on one of our lists interesting. Um, so, for instance, Steve, you were the only person to rank William Lugo or Vincent Perosa anywhere. And you had uh, William Lugo was the highest singly ranked player at 12. Um, then I had Dylan Tabrock and Josh Walker. I really like Tabrock. I can rant about that if we won't have time for it. Um, Ken had Luis Rodriguez, Nick Morabito, Keyshawn Askew, who got traded, and then Junior Tillian. And Thomas was the only person to rank Dominguez Woods, uh, Jeffrey Cologne, or Christian Scott. Christian Scott at 16, I thought, was also a very interesting one, particularly given that you're the only person who uh, remembered just, to include him here. He has been good. <laughs> and he's interesting. Thomas, explain yourself right now. Yeah. It's just he was good and interesting. And he was mm-hmm. interesting pre-draft, I remember that. And then he performed. So. It's, it's. I think it's a justifiable spot, and I think I probably should have had him. Like, if I was doing this again, I probably would have had him on the list somewhere. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good in high A. Granted, as a 23-year-old, but yeah, it was pretty Sure, good. like, like age is a factor there, but also, yeah. I'm not going to... It's not his fault. <laughs> no, they, it's, it makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Okay, so, so Christian Scott was the highest... That was on your list, Thomas. That was on no one else's. Who was the highest on Ken's list? That was on no one else's. Uh, yeah. Junior Tillian, which right. also makes sense. I think. That's a good one. I don't yeah. know how he. Yeah. I Ken. don't have any strong thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good uh, one, though. Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, when the, the system gets thin. Just kind of thinking about um, guys you've you've heard a lot come up in conversation uh, the past year. Uh, and then you look at his line, roughly league average, despite being, you know, two years younger than the average low A player. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a nice little picture starts to emerge. He has yeah. some interesting exit velo stuff, too, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. For for maybe about a two-week period or something, like he had, like, six home runs over the course of, like, two or three weeks. Like, he was... He wasn't yeah. able to sustain it for the entire year, but for for a period of time there, he was like, "Oh shit, this guy is hits the ball hard." Yeah, this might be something there. Um, my highest guy was Dylan Tabrock. Um, that's how I've heard it pronounced. If it's actually to break, sorry, but I've heard it said Tabrock. Um, well, I think I've gone on rants about before. I really like his spin rates. I like his stuff guy they drafted out of Creighton who was their Friday night starter for years gained a lot of velocity after going to one of those pitch labs and might be an interesting back end starter or reliever type but I I really like his breaking ball actually so uh, I wanted to put him higher on the list originally and then I chickened out like I always do (laughs) and then uh, Steve you were uh, the William Lugo stand Yes, um, similar to like what Ken was saying about Junior Tillian. Lugo really has a lot of power. He's still kind of young and was, you know, solid in low A and single A, and uh, he doesn't strike out a lot, which is good. Like he's he's hitting for power, and he's not like basically just whiffing. He he's not uh, showing signs of being a two, possibly three outcome player. He is hitting the ball, but he's not, like, whiffing in at extreme rates, which is good to see for someone who's, you know, on the younger side. I think he's only 20. He's He just turned 21, I think? Yeah, okay. yeah he turned 21 a month ago. Yep, yep. So, yeah, he played last year as a 20-year-old. Which is good to see from someone who's young. Um, if you could do it over... Who is someone that you would change, remove, add? Uh, I'm looking. I had to resort by my numbers so I can see what the hell I actually put in the first place here. For me, I would just eliminate Matthew Allen completely. I was kind of, I was kind of thinking about doing it and just not putting him on my list or even in the top 25 at all and i was just like nah, maybe that's a little too too extreme but 
you know, in the face of this new information now, I wouldn't have put him on. That's probably fair. Uh, I think this came up when we talked about this segment of the list, but I would put Consuegra higher because from our comments, it seems like I like him a lot more than people. And then I had him at the lowest spot. I had ranked him the lowest <laughs> of the four of us. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, for disclosure, I mean, obviously we talk about, you know, prospects and and stuff like that. We'll talk in private about things. But like when we make our lists, we don't like make our lists together and then alter things based on where someone else is putting their prospects. So just the way that I did it was independent from the way Lucas did it and Thomas and Ken. So, which I think is good. I think that'll Yeah, I like that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a good one. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I would not rake Senga cause I don't think he's a prospect. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Like I just philosophically do not think that he fits the definition of prospect. But despite, the it, fact, despite the fact that he's a rookie, I don't think that he, I think he's already a professional athlete and it doesn't make sense to me that then he would just be one or two. And like, then Ichiro would have been the best. Pro- that doesn't make sense. Like Ichiro was not a prospect when he came here. He right. was a See, professional athlete. I was thinking about it in relation to other players like that, and I realized, like, okay, this is where I guess Major League Baseball or ESPN or MLB, I mean, or, or ES, whoever it is, I don't know, that's making the list is drawing a cutoff because you have player Oscar Colas, for example. He is a player from Cuba. He had lots of, ex- I mean, lots is relative, but he's a, a quote unquote amateur slash professional baseball player in Cuba. Because they're all, you know, amateur players, even though it is, you know, kind of professional, but technicalities. But he played in Cuba for a few years. Is he a prospect? He's considered a prospect, yes, but he fits those same ticks that you're looking at that Sengo is not. Uh, Shohei Otani, same thing. He was, I'm 90% sure that he was categorized as a prospect. Oh, I'm sure he won Rookie of the Year, didn't he? Yes. Well, I don't know. He played in Japan professionally for a number of years, but he also came over when he was still young enough where he was subject to the uh, different rules regarding uh, coming over. He was still subject to the international bonus pool stuff. Like, I think have... they are rookies, but I don't think that, I also don't think they should be able to be eligible for the Rookie of the Year award, but that's a different story. Because right, no. I that know gets more saying. messy because that's at that point, like, how are you defining a rookie? You know what I mean? But right. like, it just feels gross. Like if, if Senga is goes 18 and five and has a three or, you know what I mean? And then he right. wins rookie of the year. I'm like, really? really? He's 30. <laughs> like, but if you were a lifelong minor leaguer who, I don't know, suddenly figured out his swing or whatever and became a 30 year old rookie and won rookie of the year somehow, then I guess it's it's what's the difference, but also you didn't go play in Japan for a few years, but you also could have done that. Like I don't know. It's it's messier than it's it's messy the more you think about it, but I just don't think he's a prospect. I don't think he didn't come up through the Mets minor league system. He didn't he didn't play in the minor leagues in the major he played in the minor leagues in Japan, whatever I don't remember what it's called. It has another name. It's not the minor leagues, mm-hmm. but the Eastern League and the Western he, League. He did. Like he, he didn't have a clear cut major league path in in MPB he like went down and got hurt and he wasn't like a star right away so that it's not that he didn't suffer or didn't go through those things he didn't go through the minor leagues da, da, da. he did it's just he didn't doesn't feel like a prospect to me so I would have just um, omitted him anyway you know I, I understand I hear what you're saying I just find like I, I just feel like you said the more you, you the more you think about it the more complicated it gets. It's not even like something where like if you think about it it's like okay this makes sense or no, yeah. clearly not, delineated yeah. The more you think about it the vaguer and, and more complex it gets because well, I think know. the the clear cutoff to me at least has always been whether a guy gets posted or does he come through the IFA system and Otani came through the IFA system and uh 
Well, Senga wasn't posted, right? He was just an unrestricted free agent, right? Right. So, I mean, he could have, yeah. in in theory, he could have been posted. Well, right. he tried to get posted many times, but right. And but his, team, no. <laughs> his team doesn't post as like a rule, as I understand it. So they hate. They're never posting. Yeah, they're exactly. never on. Yeah, they, if only we could all be so wise. <laughs> if only all of us could not post, but yeah, alas, never, never tweet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like at least for me, if a guy comes through IFA or the draft, he is a prospect, and otherwise he isn't. So at least in the case of Senga, I agree. And Otani's a weird corner case, certainly because um, uh, of of what a unique situation he was, but. Um, generally, I think that that rule works. And under that context, like Colossus is a prospect and Sanga, who is 29 going on 30, uh, is not. And now, like, it's also just like an academic discussion. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and it was at least a little bit entertaining to see people convinced that we were going to rank Nick Morbido at number two. Uh, which I don't we think anyone not. actually I don't think anyone actually believed that, but. Nick Morbido was uh, the reviews on Nick Morbido were not great. Let's put it that yeah. way. Rough, pretty rough, not great. Rough. Getting back to what you were saying, Lucas. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but mm-hmm. again, I just want to. So, I, again, your delineation makes sense. So, would Jung Ho Lee be a prospect? He's going to be posted next season. No, he's no, not. He's uh, he's going to get posted, not through IFA. Oh, oh, okay. Excuse me. So. Um, is he? How old is he? Jung Ho Lee is going to be 26, if I remember correctly. 26. Yeah. I'm 24 this right year. Now. He's 24 last year. So he's going to be 25 this year. Yeah. Okay. Then so, but the be... cutoff for IFA, if I remember correctly, is 25. But I mean, even if he's an IFA, if he's a 22-year-old MVP in in Korea or Japan, then how is he a you know what I mean? Right, how that's is he what a prospect? Like, that's that same thing. To or, me, none of them are. Like if mm. you played in a, in if you played in an equally not equal because there is none, but if you played in a professional league, overseas, then you have eliminated your prospects. Um, capa- not capabilities. I can't think of the word. You've eliminated your prospect eligibility. That there we go. Thank you. You eliminated your prospect eligibility for me. Because you have played in a league that is above the minor leagues in general, no matter where it is. See, I I don't know that that's true though, right? Because oh well, above the minor leagues there, but at least based on talent, like Korea is a sense equivalent to double A as a rule of thumb, and Japan. I don't mean it by talent level. Yeah. I mean it by by literal profession. Like mm-hmm. you are a professional major league baseball player in Korea. That is more being that's over being a prospect because there are minor leagues in. Korea there there's like reserve teams and they play on backfields and stuff like that so that's how I view it and of course everyone's going to be different and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because me ranking Senga two is not gonna I I did it because I was like yeah I could make him one but he's two and I'm just gonna call it a day mm-hmm. all fair and again just kind of illustrates the vagaries of all of this uh, Ken, who would you? What would you do differently if you could redo it? I probably wouldn't have included Nick Morbido as we discussed <laughs> uh, previously. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about the profile. Don't don't really get it other than he he's new. So I mean, where you you know you had him ranked twenty yeah, eight so. in the random zone. So. Right. I mean, saying Nick Morbido, you know, you have Nick Morbido near. You know, Daniel Nunez and Jordani Ventura. Fair. Yeah, poor Nick Morbido. Who knows? Let, let's 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 go more into Nick Morbido about why he's not on, you know, any of our top twenty-five lists. Um, yes, he was drafted in the third round, and yes, he did get um, overslot money. And yes, he has decent uh, hit tool and he has got speed. But at this point, in in terms of my rationale, same thing with Jet Williams and 
Jacob Raymer. I don't think that pure tools are enough to rank you particularly high when you don't have too much experience professionally. And that the experience, little experience that he did have, you know, wasn't a very good experience. And that reason has, I don't think even if you're talking about just tools, like I don't think his tools are that good. Like, yeah, yeah. The swing isn't, I don't like the swing. He doesn't look projectable. Yeah, he's about maxed out in terms of There's, physical, you know. The raw power is what, like a four at best? With no projection left? I, I don't I don't understand. I didn't get this pick at the time, and the early returns and what you can hear in terms of complex whispers were pretty bad. I really didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's yeah, I didn't I didn't see one I didn't hear one good thing about him really. Whereas everyone was raving about Raymer. Reimer? Whatever. Raymer Reimer. I'm sure well, you know, give him a full year in the system and we'll know at this we'll, point. We'll know, yes. <laughs> um what was I about to say? Yeah, like his draft pedigree status. It's you know, the Mets don't always have the best track record and, and stuff like that. Carlos Cortez says hello. Mm-hmm. You know, just because a guy was drafted high-ish or was given, you know, slot money or, or over slot money or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a, it is a, it, he is a good player in terms of, you know, Nick Morbido and just in terms of any player out there who gets, you know, drafted. Teams do weird things. They see certain players on good days. They see certain players on bad days. They have scouts that they like that have more influence than others. You know, bazillion things are going on. And, yeah, Nick Morbido. Look, I hate drafting relievers. I would have straight up rather see them take, like, Ben Joyce there or something. Like... I mean, Ben Joyce has one thing that you know it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't think his fastball is great shape, but, like, the velocity is real for sure. And, like, if you're going to spend a million dollars at this slot, I'd rather do it on... This very much gets back to my long, long, long long-standing critique of uh, the Sashkini pick way back when. If you're picking a prep bat, why are you picking... And also the Dominic Smith pick, to an extent. If you're picking a prep bat, why are you doing that with someone who, why are you picking one without projection or a ton of reasonable upside like if you're going for floor a floor over ceiling prospect maybe take the college option who's closer um i don't know it's it, it's just a little because <clears throat> i like most of their other picks we've talked about this i think we generally were we had pretty positive impressions from the rest of their draft class and the stupidity of taking Sprout without having a deal worked out is is a different discussion. But at least in terms of the talent they targeted with every other pick, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Jonah Tong has really nice analytics. Dylan Tabrock has really nice analytics and seems cool. Um, there are a couple other guys in there. Jacob Reamer looks really good. Uh, Blade Tidwell was a good swing on an injured dude. And then there's Nick Mor- Morbido. <laughs> I, Which one of these does not belong? Him and uh, the dude out of USC. It's like, what? Look, you could say what you want about where he was drafted or what round, but he hit 091. <laughs> I'm not putting – I'm just like, – like, I know that we're, we're beyond – not beyond batting average because I think it's useful in a way, but you got to – look, the dude hit 091, 167, 136. I'm not putting that guy in my top 30. I'm just – I'm not going to do it. It's – I don't care if it was six games. Those are the six professional games that he played. He hit 091. You're just not. Right. If you want to go, if he hits 300 next year, sure, I'll put him on the list. That's fine with me, but I'm not doing it now because he's not giving me a reason to yet. Exactly. That's really it. Like, I mean, like I'm not saying his career is over. I'm not saying he's terrible. I liked him a little more than the rest of this group, it seems, because I was like, oh, okay, he's pretty. I could see it. It's like, it's like kirkland brand jet williams and like the work like <laughs> it's like you sort you, you saw jet williams you were like what if we just did it again except it's it's worse and you know what i understand how that 
if you really like the profile, I can understand how you could get there. It's it's prob it's less of a ceiling because of he's he's just worse. But at the end of the day, I can't I can't in good conscience rank someone like that when other guys have been better. Like that's really just what it is. And maybe he proves me wrong, and that'll be great, and I'll be happy for it. But that's how his last year went. Yeah, I mean that's the. He had a 58% strikeout rate. Like, like, <laughs> I, I, what? I don't understand how you can rank him. Is in, it is what it is, and it sucks. And I would love to see that switch. And when he when they drafted him, I was like, oh, I can kind of see the vision a little bit. And he was terrible immediately, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean that that that's the the heart of my philosophy, which is being very conservative regarding younger players. That's exactly why I feel that. More so hitters than pitchers, because, I mean, if you could throw a ball really hard, you're going to go some – you're more likely to go farther as a pitcher than you are as a hitter with the kind of one-dimensional skill set, you know, either being able to throw a ball really hard or having one really good, you know, slider or curveball or whatever. But, you know, just we haven't seen anything from Morbido yet, so it's just yeah, – it's hard to – have any faith yeah. because what we did see wasn't very good and we all understand it's a six game sample size it's probably worthless but is there some you know is it indicative of how he is going to play in the future is it indicative of him really you know being able to dominate you know high school kids that really don't have any reason to be on the same field as as him, you know, is he a was he a big fish in a small pond, and now he's a small fish in a bigger pond? You know, we don't, I don't know. know that he's ever been a big fish physically. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, is that that you know, for, for Morbido, it's exactly why I'm very conservative with all young prep yeah. players and, and international players as well. And like, it's just it would. To me, it would be a little unfair to the guys, to the other guys I'm ranking. Like, I'm, I'm not making, I'm not kidding myself. Like, these guys are reading the Amazing Avenue prospect rankings. But better if, be. I'm go- if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for real. And if it would be unfair for me to rank him 20, because some guy who hit 300 or was a good pitcher last year, it wasn't drafted in the in the in the 75th pick. You know what I mean? Like, that's just that's not that's not the nature of what we're doing here. So. If he was even okay, I'd probably rank him at the end of this list. But he wasn't. He was. He went two for twenty-four. So, or yeah. <laughs> what? So what am I supposed to do about it? If he did decently, he could have one hundred percent been somewhere in the the you know twenty to twenty-five range because. Oh yeah. You know you have in that range, Jesus Baez, who he did perform well, but it was in the DSL. You know, so it's kind of. Numbers don't matter, whatever. But you also had Willie Fanyas and Simon Juan, both of whom, you know, have highish upsides. You know, and there, there's some talk about them. But again, neither one of them performed particularly great. Yeah, and but they did didn't so do this the, either. Right, right. And they and they were in the DSL. So if Morbido performed better, he could have been in the back, just like this Juan or Fanyas. But he didn't. So. Yeah, that's really what it is for mm-hmm. me. Um, we mentioned him before, Brennan Sprout. He was the only player in the draft last season that the Mets were not able to sign. If the Mets did sign him, where would you put him? Would you put him, let's say, top tier was like, you know, one to five, secondary tier, you know, five to five to ten, uh, tertiary tier you know 10 to 15 and then just the random mishmash you know 15 to 15 and beyond he'd be one spot behind tidwell for me yeah same i would i would definitely have him he might even be ahead of tidwell like it would have really depended on the professional looks which we obviously don't have for sprout but yeah um yeah five or six i think yeah, probably around there. Yeah, he would be in the in that five to ten range somewhere in there. 
Unless he bombed, but I don't think he would have, because I like I like Sprout. Yeah, and look, the Mets, I, I think that was a decent pick. I feel like they just didn't do the... First of all, they didn't do the math, and then... I mean, there was no second to that. They didn't do the math and didn't plan the rest of their draft accordingly. Like, if, if you're going to plan this, you got to take someone under slot with that Morbido pick instead of giving them an extra 100 and whatever K it was. So, like... Uh, I'm looking at this and getting depressed. I really liked Trey Dombrowski before the draft started, and he went for like 440k in the fourth round. Take him in the second. Use that money to get Sprout. Maybe you get it done. But, ugh. yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, who do you think is going to be like the biggest just random? Biggest risers next year and biggest uh, fallers next year. Ooh. I think the biggest faller is going to be Ronnie Mauricio. If he doesn't, I, I feel that if he doesn't have an exceptional year next year, all of the goodwill that he has, people are just going to say not enough is enough. But he, he's been coasting for a while. And... I feel like if he has another season next year where he's just, you know, the way that he has been, I think that he's going to drop out of, you know, uh, top 10 lists complete, uh, top oh, 10 yeah. completely. I agree with that. Feels like it'd be too on brand for me to say Mauricio. <laughs> um, I mean, if, it, if, if you agree, you agree, you know. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, Alex Ramirez could be in this bucket. Ooh, ducks. Yeah, no, it's 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 possible. Uh, I have some concerns I mean, about him. The obvious one is Matt, Matt Allen. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Biggest faller. He's already dropped. Um, riser. I'm gonna go to Brock again because I really really like to Brock and no one has noticed him yet so just the he has more room to rise than everyone else basically i feel like he's a guy that could can i don't know if he will but he's a, a classic guy that will put up good numbers kind of like a Corey oswalt where the stuff is nothing is bad but just because nothing is particularly great he's just very limited and he he's the kind of guy that will have utility as a baseball player and possibly as a major leaguer but has less value as a prospect if that makes sense maybe but i think the slider could be great mm. <laughs> can the mets make it great no well, that's a different question <laughs> <laughs> there's a more rational answer to this that i'll share if no one else puts pulls this name out so i'll let other people go first i can see vassal being a faller I just don't really like like the stuff, and I'm, I could see other guys jumping him in terms of pitching prospects. Like I could see Scott rising a bit and jumping him and stuff like that. We kind of realize that he's limited because of his he's kind of Jose Budo ish and his best pitch is a changeup. And what do you do with that? Um, for risers, risers is tough. I'm looking at my list right now and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know who's gonna rise. I can see Jeffrey Cologne being a riser. Ah, oh, I see you too have talked to Liam Murphy. Yes, I have talked to Liam, <laughs> but like I, I agree with him that he, there's a lot yeah. of interesting uh, pitch characteristics with him and stuff. So I can see him rising. Um, that's a lower down the down the list guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess rising is a lot more difficult to kind of say because literally the entire half of all our lists are kind of. They're so shot young. Shot in the dark. Yeah. So I mean, it, you could literally they're have. They're so young that all of these dudes could conceivably take a step, and I wouldn't be. I'd be yeah. surprised, maybe, but I wouldn't be like, oh wow, what a shock. Like if Ronnie Mauricio takes a step and is all of a sudden taking pitches, we'd all be shocked. But if Simon Juan starts hitting, we wouldn't be shocked. It would still be a surprise. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Well, any uh, other calculations have you uh, – do you have, Dr. Lucas? I don't have any other calculations, but I do want to throw out another riser, oh, uh, sure. that being Jacob Reimer. I think he 
Maybe this is a tad yeah, aggressive. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I think there is a non-zero chance, like less than 10%, maybe, but a semi-reasonable chance that Jacob Rammer is a top 100 prospect this time next year. It's possible. I, I'm a, shockingly, the, the moron who loved Will Toffee, I'm a sucker for guys who walk a lot. Uh, let's see, he's got an advanced approach for his age. I think there's some power here. There's maybe a little bit of projection left. He's not huge, uh, so he should be able to stick at the position. Like, there's a lot to like here, I think. Um, and if he goes out and has a big year in a uh, a ball and maybe makes it up to Brooklyn down the stretch, like there'll be some buzz. And then look, it's it's quite possibly just struggles because he's going to be like 19. Yeah, he's 18 years old right now, so or he'll, he'll yeah he'll be 19 in a month. So if he if he, it's it's not a failure if he doesn't get to that top 100 level, but I I think there's a chance he makes it there. Yeah, he would be a pretty big riser for me. I mean, I just barely ranked him. He could conceivably be in the top 10, the top five next year. That would be a jump of 20 guys <laughs> in mm-hmm. my list. So that mm-hmm. that yeah, that is a big riser. Um, one final thing. So let's all assume that Francisco Alvarez loses eligibility next year. Let's assume that Kodasenga loses eligibility next year, and let's assume that Brad Beatty loses eligibility next year. Who? would you say would be the Mets top prospect in, you know, uh, 2024? Oh God, 2024. Yeah. It's frightening. Isn't it? <laughs> Who would be the top prospect right now? Assuming those three guys, you know, lose their eligibility and assuming that like no one goes crazy or anything like that coming into 2024. There's a chalk answer, I think. Right. It's, Kevin Parada. Easy Money's Parada. Yeah. The the second jet. guy, Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on the jet chain. Let's go, baby. The jet <laughs> train is not a good jet plane. Let's go with that. <laughs> the the top two then. That's a better way of putting it. The two the two most guys you the two guys you think have the best chance. So Parada, Parada and Jet. Mm-hmm. I think the distant third is if Tidwell pops and is crazy good and is a first round pick because he was what a front a first half of the first round guy before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So the talent's there for him to like be really, really good and just be, he goes out and goes crazy and looks like he can make the major soon and he would be one. But I think it's going to be for the first time next year, we're going to have a legit conversation about one and two. Yeah. Cause I think either way, I wouldn't be surprised if they both are good enough to be one yep. and they're both a hundred top, top 100 prospects. And it kind of just changes depends on age or, if Parada's bat is really advanced and his defense isn't there, if we care about that. If Williams is more of a whole pack, you know what I mean? There's going to be a lot more conversation, I think, where we've kind of been saying Alvarez has won for years, and Ken has been saying it since Alvarez was 14. So. <laughs> Ken was actually there when the Mets signed his contract on the real day they Ken's signed the, the contract, not him. the official one. Ken, Ken is the There's only that. a few years off. <laughs> yeah, for real. Have you ever been to Venezuela, Ken? <laughs> uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah that is a very good point i think next year it will be again you know assuming that one guy doesn't take extreme leaps and bounds but there, there could be a very it will be very interesting that there is not a consensus obvious number one and it could conceivably be a kevin parada or a jet williams or blade tidwell i'm gonna also add one more name to that mix as a possible number one guy too if he does you know well, I, th- I think Alex Ramirez could also have a chance as well. If he yeah. pops, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So he is the type of he's in that uh, launch pad position, uh, and now some of those outfielders become uh, Jackson Churio or Ronald Acuna, and then some of them become. Oh God, I'm trying to think of one last year that flamed out. Now I have to pull up. Not Ronald Acuna. Not Ronald Acuna, <laughs> right? Or something in between where they just kind of sit there. Let's see. The bottom-ish of BP's 101 from last year, Eric Pena. Who? Exactly. <laughs> um, 
Trevor Larnack to young but Brennan Davis, Hunter Bishop. Like yeah. I, I feel like there's always this group of outfielders oh. where you're like, okay, this is about to go either nuclear or we're not gonna care in a year. And that's kind of where I'm at with Alex Ramirez. Yeah, no, that that puts it well. Well, I hope uh, everyone out there has enjoyed our, you know, prospect discussion. And obviously, you know, if you, if you have other feelings about things, you know, or questions about why we did what, you know, you can go ahead and send us those questions, comments, whatever. Um, you could email us at our email address from complex degrees at gmail.com. Or if you want to um, ask us those questions, give us those comments, whatever, on Twitter, you can do it there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLaffin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>